U.S. officials say Ukraine's resistance against Russia can be a model for Taiwan's defense. During a congressional hearing on Thursday, two high-level officials urged Taiwan to take cues from Ukraine's resistance to Russia. Taiwan must do more to prepare its people to fight, and it must ramp up its asymmetric capabilities, they said. Earlier this week, the director of the CIA warned that China's ambitions toward Taiwan should not be underestimated. For two weeks now, stiff Ukrainian resistance has blocked the advance of Russian forces. At a congressional hearing on Tuesday, CIA Director William Burns said that Russia's struggles have surprised and unsettled China's Xi Jinping. The Chinese leadership, President Xi in particular, is unsettled um, by what he's seen, partly because his own intelligence doesn't appear to have told him what was going to happen. Burns said the situation in Ukraine had made Europe and the U.S. more united. But he warned that Xi's ambitions toward Taiwan should not be underestimated. At a different congressional hearing on Thursday, U.S. officials said that Taiwan should look to Ukraine as a model of asymmetric warfare and combat readiness. The situation we're seeing in Ukraine right now is a very worthwhile case study for them about why Taiwan needs to do all it can to build asymmetric capabilities to get its population ready so that it can be as prickly as possible should China choose to violate its, uh, its sovereignty. Let me define asymmetric. It needs to be cost-effective, mobile, resilient, and decentralized defensive systems. The other piece I would add to that is what we call um, reserve reform, which really what we've seen in Ukraine is the population has to be ready to fight. Taiwan lawmakers have noted Ukraine's use of Stinger and Javelin missiles against Russia. They say that Taiwan's reservists should be trained to use these missile systems. Defense Minister Chiu Guozhen agrees. We don't need to wait for call-ups to provide this training. We can provide missile training to fresh recruits. We can incorporate this course into the program. As long as something is related to our defense and we have the equipment on hand, it must be included in our training. The military prioritizes combat readiness. We don't want a war, but we must be prepared for war. For Taiwan, the outbreak of war in Ukraine has served as a reminder to be prepared for the worst, even in times of peace. China's defense ministry had some strong words for the U.S., Japan and Taiwan on Wednesday. During a press conference, the ministry spokesman said the U.S. and Japan were creating a farce over the Taiwan question and that the PLA would crack down on secessionist activities and foreign interference. In Taipei, the Mainland Affairs Council pushed back at the remarks. A spokesman said Beijing should blame itself for regional tensions rather than point the finger at the U.S. and Japan. During a recent press conference, China's defense ministry spokesman had strong words on the Taiwan issue. The greater the farce that the U.S. and Japan create over the Taiwan question, the tougher the actions we will take to safeguard our sovereignty and territorial integrity. I must make it clear that the PLA will never tolerate any Taiwan independence, secessionist acts or foreign forces interference and will crack down on them without mercy. The CCP has never renounced the use of force against Taiwan. It has continued to intimidate and provoke Taiwan militarily, and it has pushed its expansionist designs. These are the fundamental factors behind increased tensions in the Taiwan Strait. The CCP authorities should face up to the root cause of the problem and cease its military intimidation against Taiwan, instead of blaming Taiwan, the U.S. and Japan. The spokesman of Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council pushed back across the strait, saying that Beijing was the troublemaker in the region. 
Over recent weeks, China's military has continued to deploy near Taiwan in a move to intimidate the island and warn the U.S. and Japan. A scholar says China's latest remarks on Taiwan are a sign of domestic unease. Beijing feels that amid the Russian-Ukraine war, the whole world is now focused on not just Ukraine but also Taiwan. Countries are now more proactively helping Taiwan resist China, or they're more proactively supporting Taiwan. I think that amid the Russia-Ukraine war, China is feeling the pressure of global attention on the Taiwan Strait. Two delegations from the U.S. recently visited Taiwan. Similarly, Japan has ramped up its shows of support. China has reacted with anger in a statement that may only further raise tensions across the strait. Presidential adviser Gu Kuai-ming has donated one million U.S. dollar to help Ukrainian refugees. That's about 28.5 million NT dollars sent to a relief account created by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Speaking to FTV, Gu became visibly emotional when speaking about why he wanted to help Ukraine. Whether it's a donation of 1,000 NT or my donation of 1 million U.S. dollars to Ukraine, it all comes from the same place in the heart. When Japan entered World War II, I was a student in Taiwan, and I was recruited as a soldier. So the sadness and cruelty of war is something I have experienced firsthand. A strong country like Russia has no reason to attack Ukraine. Maybe China, the CCP, has no reason to attack Taiwan. Who knows, right? So what is happening in Ukraine is something we can relate to. Gu's donation was announced on Friday by the manager of the relief account. Including this donation, the total amount raised for Ukraine stands at 563 million Taiwan dollars. Taiwan's publishing industry is taking a stand on Russia's assault against Ukraine. Organizers of the Taipei International Book Fair have joined a global association in condemning Russia's aggression. On Wednesday, creators showed, at the, showed their support for Ukraine with illustrations in yellow and blue, the color of Ukraine's flag. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has more. <laughs> Taiwan will participate in Italy's Bologna's Children's Book Fair and France's Angoulême International Comics Festival, which will be held at the end of the month. At a press conference before their trip to Europe, artists presented drawings to show their support for Ukraine. I feel that under the current international situation, it is so simple and beautiful to be able to just live one's own life. I hope everyone can cherish that and advocate for world peace. In particular, Taiwan supports freedom and diverse creations, so these creators want to express their attitude toward this war, to express their hope for world peace. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has commanded global attention. As many as 14 international book fairs, including the Bologna Children's Book Fair in Italy and the Frankfurt International Book Fair in Germany, have removed their Russia pavilions and suspended contact with Russian state institutions and agencies. Two, one, press. 
Here in Taiwan, the Taipei International Book Fair plans to showcase Ukrainian works and invite Ukrainian writers to participate in the exhibition to demonstrate support. The Taipei Book Fair Foundation is a member of the Conference of International Book Fair Directors. We have joined the Conference of International Book Fair Directors in issuing a condemnation of Russia's aggression. The Taipei International Book Fair will be held in Taipei in June. Before then, Taiwan creators will go to Italy and France to showcase their works. These are two areas where Taiwan has performed very well internationally in recent years. With regard to published comics, more and more Taiwan creations have been authorized in France. As for illustrations in Bologna, three works won awards last year. These are all important strengths of our publishing industry in Taiwan. With the pandemic gradually easing, book fairs are resuming in-person exhibitions. Taiwan creators say they hope to use their art to promote peace and unity. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Wu Dongmao, Taipei. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine brought war to Europe, Taiwan people, Taiwanese people are joining global calls for peace. Taiwanese chefs have found their own way to express support for Ukraine using dyes to turn favorite dishes blue and yellow. If plates could speak, these ones have loud voices. Rice is fried in the pan to a delectable golden color. King of the sea fried rice is the specialty at this Japanese restaurant. Meanwhile, the classic fried rice now has a special look. The blue and yellow represent Ukraine's national flag. There is blue and yellow sushi, too, lovingly handmade. These creations make clear the restaurant's support for peace in Ukraine. Because of the recent Russia-Ukraine war, I wanted to create a dish like this to reflect my wish for world peace. This is butterfly pea water, a very natural ingredient. The colors are mixed with natural vegetables at this sweet shop. The traditional Japanese dessert, imagawayaki, comes in blue and yellow with a vanilla pudding inside. The Chinese for Putin sounds just like pudding, and as such, the treats also represent a wish for peace. I think we shouldn't use two extreme violent methods. It's more like wrapping Putin up in the love of Ukraine. Meanwhile, the 2022 Taiwan International Orchid Show is just about to kick off in Tainan. It's already made headlines for flowers dyed blue and yellow. Florists achieve the feat with nanotechnology. At the Tainan Half Marathon on March 6, there are signs of support for Ukraine all around. We're grateful to the Japanese media for its extensive coverage and all the news speaking up in support of Ukraine. The Yamagata City Council will not allow Russia to invade Ukraine, nor will it allow China to invade Taiwan. Yamagata City Council stands together with everyone in Taiwan. Yamagata City Councilor Kuji Hasegawa was moved to confirm his support for Taiwan in light of Ukraine's crisis. He filmed this statement to condemn the invasion and speak up for both nations. While in Taiwan, ordinary people are speaking out in their own unique ways to join global calls for peace. Due to shipping disruptions from the war in Ukraine, Taiwan is struggling with a tight supply of salmon. But there's no shortage of creativity in the food industry. One aquaculture vendor has unveiled a milkfish product that can be enjoyed raw, just like salmon sushi. The process uses milkfish produced domestically in Tainan. The dorsal fin of the fish is treated with ozone reverse osmo 
uh, osmosis in a flash freezer to ensure that it's safe to eat raw. The developer says that milkfish sashimi is low in fat but has a taste that's similar to salmon. The fish can also rolled up in kebabs and seared in a frying pan. The CECC reported seven local COVID cases on Friday, including a cluster with an unknown infection. This cluster involves a family of three in Greater Taipei. Also on Friday, the CECC announced a new quarantine release policy for medical staff. Let's hear from the CECC. Most medical workers are already triple vaccinated. If there is a hospital outbreak or some other incident that necessitates the mass quarantine of medical staff, if the medical institution launches its manpower backup plan and still does not have sufficient staff, and if its patients or clients cannot be transferred, then an early release application can be filed to the local health authority. After approval is granted, medical staff in quarantine will be allowed to go back to work early. Triple vaccinated medical workers qualify for early release if they test negative for COVID in a PCR test. They will need to be tested again for COVID on the third, seventh and tenth days after their release. If they do not seek early release, they will complete a seven-day quarantine. Now that teenagers have been fully vaccinated, Taiwan is looking to offer a COVID vaccine to children from age 5 to 11. The CECC said a meeting would be held on March 24th to discuss the policy. It said the rollout to children would depend on a vaccine-obtaining emergency use approval from the Food and Drug Administration. Second shots have already gone out to children aged 12 to 17. Now, the CECC plans to lower the vaccination age to 5 to 11. The rollout is contingent on a vaccine obtaining emergency use approval from the Food and Drug Administration. The pharmaceutical company itself must submit its documents to the FDA's drug certification unit. Only then can a vaccine obtain emergency use authorization. Metagen is approved for adults aged 20 and older, while AstraZeneca and Moderna are approved for those 18 and above. At present, only Pfizer is authorized for use on teens. Both Pfizer and Moderna have completed clinical trials for children aged 5 to 11. And officials say both are likely to secure FDA authorization. Doctors say that as COVID restrictions lift over time, community infections are bound to flare up again, putting unvaccinated children at risk. If we are to loosen restrictions this summer, we have to make preparations in the second quarter. Once restrictions fully lift, school outbreaks for COVID will be as bad as those for the enterovirus. We need to hurry up and do the preventative work by protecting every child. The doctor says vaccinating children can help protect older adults who live with them, but in vaccinating young children, adjustments to dosage are needed, as children tend to have a stronger immune response and side effects. In related news, the FDA has rejected Medigen's request for emergency use approval for recipients aged 12 to 18. Experts say Medigen needs to provide more definitive evidence of the vaccine's safety and efficacy on youth. They can show that the immune response of Taiwanese teens vaccinated with Medigen is equal or greater to that of adults vaccinated with AstraZeneca. They can use a direct immunobridging method. That is a feasible solution. Approval is granted on the basis of scientific evidence through an assessment by experts. The vaccine still needs to go through review. At present, it appears that the required information has not been fully supplied.
Taiwan's booster coverage is still not at 50%, the target for lifting border restrictions. The CECC says its roadmap for lifting curbs will become clear after April. Over in Nantou County, an indigenous township hosted a games competition for the 71st year. More than 1,000 participants tested their skills in archery, tug-of-war and even pig wrestling. The winners of the competition will go on to represent the township at a national Buno festival in May. Two teams battle it out at tug-of-war. Slowly but surely, the black team is overpowered before the two teams switch sides. The air is filled with excitement. Look close and you'll find that the participants aren't wearing sneakers, but rain boots suited for a muddy field. It's tradition. On the field, engaged in tug-of-war, we are the best of friends. Elsewhere, two men are engaged in a wrestling match, both putting their skills to the test. The wrestlers hold on to each other's belts with both hands, and the first to make the other fall on their back or buttocks wins. This year's event has been opened up to younger wrestlers. In all indigenous communities, wrestling is seen as symbolic of traditional warriors. This year, we also invited elementary school students to participate. Every year, Nanto County's Xingyi Township holds a Bunon Ear Shooting Festival. For the past 71 years, the festival has been held alongside a games competition. The strongest competitors from each of the township's communities come out to fight for glory. The winning team will represent Xingyi Township. In May, they will travel to Kaohsiung's Taoyuan District to compete in the National Bunan Ear Shooting Festival and Sports Competition. Having been cancelled for many years, the pig-catching competition resumed this year. The event stirred up a sea of excitement, with more than 1,000 participants from 14 villages. As the epidemic eases, the East Coast National Scenic Area has planned big outdoor events for the next few months. Tourists can challenge themselves to river rafting, a bike tour or a marathon, all against the stunning scenery of Hualien and Taitung. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. They run against the glorious backdrop of a sunset, rice paddies, and waves. This is the annual King Kong Marathon at Taidong's Changbing. This year, the marathon will start at Changbing Elementary School on May 1st. A cheerleading team will be there to cheer on the runners. Some of the cheerleaders are members of our local indigenous tribes and people from different ethnic backgrounds. This event has greatly enhanced the profile of Changbing Township. The people here on the east coast are warmer and the space is vaster. They've been able to mobilize more people than they would have in cities. They were able to put together such a perfect venue. The marathon is among a series of outdoor activities planned by the East Coast National Scenic Area. The events include the Ma Dao Tengong Bike Tour on March 26 and the Shogu Luan River Rafting Triathlon on June 12th. The epidemic is finally easing and it's now a good time to travel. Whether it's the Ma Dao Chenggong cycling event in March, the Changbing King Kong Marathon in May, or the Shogu Luan River Rafting Triathlon in June, the East Coast is prepared to greet a tourism boom. With the pandemic easing, the Tourism Bureau is eager to welcome back locals and tourists. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Chen Shenhen in Taipei. 
Let's head now to Jiayi County for a look at the fisheries of tomorrow. Since 2021, the southern county has chosen 15 exceptional fish farmers to roll out a new high-tech system for aquaculture. The Farmers Association is increasing production with smart tech and generating solar power at the same time. The locals hope the project will attract more young farmers into the field. This 3.5-hectare fish pond is covered in solar panels. Along Jiayi's coast, including in Budai and Dongshi townships, fish farming and green energy are combined by many companies. This fisherman, surnamed Chen, took over his father's fish pond more than 50 years ago. We went and did solar panels. We signed the contract four years ago. The current area of aquaculture is about 5,800 hectares, of which almost 100 hectares are actually in operation. But the large areas of fish ponds covered in solar panels and leased out have decreased the active fisheries in the area. How to keep fish ponds open is a big question. Jiayi County's latest trick is smart aquaculture, which is transforming traditional fish farming. If we talk about perch, for example, one pond might be 3 to 4 million, an extra 10 to 20 percent income. Then things might be different. Firstly, with raising prawns, in the past it was a 30 to 40 percent survival rate. We can raise that to 85 percent or more. With greater survival rates for fish, as well as the income from solar energy, these smart aquaculture policies are paying off. Officials and fish farmers have had their noses to the grindstone. The whole government is helping our fishers to transition towards smart agricultural technology. I think this will change the whole farming culture in Taiwan. In the aquaculture industry, we have to improve as a whole. As we push forward the combination of fisheries and energy production, we want to make sure we upgrade the technology of aquaculture both indoors and outdoors. As traditional fish farming transforms into the fisheries of tomorrow, the county government is keen to roll out airtight policies that will attract more professionals into the field.